When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Bases Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. A fortuitously fun Friday to one at all. I don't know if that panned out or not, but you know what? I wanted to give a new intro. Welcome into the Vivid Seat Studios from LB Overtime Betting. Greg Peters to come at you once again. And we've got a terrific show for you as we've got the Odd Shark guys back in the fold. Scott Hastings going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to be breaking down today's slate. Just some of the tendencies that he has with betting on guys after a complete game. He's also going to talk about his September baseball betting strategy. So that is going to be a whole lot of fun. In the final segment, I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board and a little something I like to call touch them all. First things first. You guys ask me some Twitter questions into the Twitter mailbag at GeneNerdSquirty1. You always tweet those into the timeline and not the DMs. The DMs are a vast, vast wasteland in which nothing ever comes of it. So always tweet those into the timeline. So let's get into it. So you have questions and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. Harry Hood at HHood99 as at GeneNerdSquirty1. And I think that this is an interesting one. Do you know if your plays are affecting the lines? If not, can you speculate? This is one of these situations where my singular action, I would almost guarantee you does not because I see the line from my bet before I place it and after I place it. 
it like never moves. Now, truth be told, this is probably because I am not betting like dimes on these games or anything like that. I'm never going to sell you that. I'm one of these high rollers that's like putting out their $20,000 a game or anything like that because 12 months ago at this time, I was still paying off some loan debt. So I think that that makes a little bit of sense. I'm obviously not with a bankroll of someone like a Bill Krakenberger or anything like that. So don't get me confused with that. But I know that a lot of you guys bet some of these games. So I wouldn't doubt if everyone as a collective betting on a specific game could perhaps move a line because when you get a whole bunch of action and a whole lot of you guys are maybe at the same book, it could be coincidence that a line or two moves. So if that is the case, well, that's pretty darn cool. And I know that some of you guys bet a little bit more than I do. Some of you guys bet less. We have people that listen to this podcast that have all different ranges of bankrolls. So I would think that maybe some of my analysis and everything like that, the plays in the New York Post have possibly moved the lines a little bit. My specific action, though, no. And then I had a whole bunch of people asking, why do you bet every game on the board? Why do you go with your style and everything like that? Which is something that you guys listening to the podcast have heard a hundred million times. So I'm not going to bore you with the exact same thing that I do time and time again. If you're curious, just listen to the Inside Vegas podcast because I actually talk a lot about this in the Inside Vegas podcast that was just released today, which is Friday, by the way, for all of you guys wondering. Christian Pina does a terrific job with that. I actually talk about my high volume style a little bit more from a football perspective, but I actually compare football to baseball as well. So rather than give you another big, long, several minute explanation on this podcast and make this like an hour and 50 minutes or something like that, I'll let you guys listen there because I have addressed this on the podcast so many times. So want to leave it at that. So I always do appreciate the Twitter questions, you guys, at GNRSquare81. If I haven't addressed it on the podcast, I will. If I already have, I will refer you to where I have and Let's take a look back at yesterday's results, try to find some trends, and try to become better handicappers from it. So who's streaking and who is slumping? It is time for Rakers and Fakers. We had a double dip in Motown as it was the New York Yankees on the road against the Detroit Tigers. And well, if you took the run line of the New York Yankees in both games, you were highly successful as game one was a 10-4 final as Matthew Boyd has given up three runs or more in pretty much all but three of his starts ever since the beginning of the month of June. Now, I will say, in this one, he goes five innings. Of the four runs they gave up, two were earned, but he once again gives up two home runs. Ever since the beginning of the month of June, this is a guy that's giving up three home runs per nine innings. He, for some reason, is priced much lower than all the other Tigers pitchers. I don't know why, but he is. And for the New York Yankees, the guys getting those home runs, Luke Voigt, his 20th home run of the campaign, and Edwin Encarnacion, his 34th as the New York Yankees in this one. We're able to get a solid start out of Jay Apton to provide a whole lot of length, four and two-thirds innings, but he gave up two runs, and then in the process of bullpen of the Yankees, very stout. They go four and a third innings. They give up two runs for the Detroit Tigers. They were able to get a pair of home runs themselves. Obviously a good sign considering how little power this team has. Darwell Lugo is fifth home run of the year and Travis Demerite is third, but all in all for the Tigers bullpen, things did not go well in this one. They go a combined four innings. They give up six runs, all of which were earned. And things didn't go a whole heck of a lot better for the Detroit Tigers in game two of the double dip as the New York Yankees are able to get a 6-4 to four win in this one. Spencer Turnbull now 3-15 and 15 with an ERA of a 477. Ever since he suffered his injury in late June, this guy's been a guy that you've had to be fading. Five innings pitch. He does get eight strikeouts, but 
Gives up four runs, of which were earned, including a home run bullpen from there. Actually, it was not bad. It was only Gregory Soto that let the team down. He was a failed starter. He has a 6.18 ERA. He's just not very good in general. And getting those two home runs for the New York Yankees. Gio Urshela, his 20th, and Aaron Judge, his 22nd, as the Detroit Tigers did not have any home runs in this one. But they were able to pound out a couple hits, and they were able to do a decent job of being able to get some runs. But in this one, it was really interesting what the Yankees did. CC Sabathia goes three and a third innings. Gives up two runs, both of which were earned. And then Domingo Herman was essentially a boat guy. He goes four innings and he gives up two hits. He winds up getting the win. He's out 18 and four. So this doesn't count for most money won for starting pitchers, but he gets a long relief appearance as the New York Yankees, as a whole, if you include Domingo Herman, went a combined five and a third, five and two thirds innings, giving up two runs, both of which were earned. And for the Yankees, this is now a team that's played right around 65% of its games on the road to the over. So they were able to do a highly successful job there. The game two line closed at 10 and a half. So that one went over, but game one obviously went over. And another game that went over was in the city of New York as the Mets take down the Arizona Diamondbacks by a count of 11 to one. After winning 11 out of their last 12, the Arizona Diamondbacks are now in a five gained swoon. As for the Arizona Diamondbacks, they just are not generating much in general for it. And this one and Alex Young, a guy that had been doing a pretty good job for the Arizona Diamondbacks was just a victim of bad luck. In this one, he gives up six runs over the course of two and two-thirds innings, but only one of which were earned. He was hurt by some errors out there in the field by the Arizona Diamondbacks, and then from there, the bullpen wound up having to get a grand total of five and a third innings, and they didn't do a very good job of it, giving up five runs, all of which were earned for the New York Mets. It was a hit parade for this team as they got a whole bunch of home runs. Juan Lagares, for goodness sakes, got two home runs. His fourth and fifth of the campaign. You also had Michael Conforto getting his 30th, Tomas Nito is fourth, and Robinson Cano is 13th. Oh yeah, and the Todd father. He made you a hit that you couldn't refuse as he got 21 blackjack, his 21st home run of the year. As for the New York Mets, Mark Stroman with by far his best start as a New York Mets. Six and a third innings. He gives up one run. Bullpen from there. Two and two thirds innings. They don't give up as much of a single hit, so... The New York Mets bullpen continues to be in the top five in the big leagues ever since the All-Star break and the New York Mets finding themselves right back in the thick of the NL wildcard hunt. Another team that is all of a sudden in the thick of the wildcard hunt. How about the Milwaukee Brewers? Despite the fact that Christian Yelich was out of the fold, they were able to get a 3-2 win over the Miami Marlins on Thursday as Gio Gonzalez didn't give a whole lot of length. It only won 74 pitches, but he was able to do his job, I guess you could say. He gave up two runs, both of which were earned, and the Brewers' bullpen right now is on fire. They go a combined five innings. They didn't give up as much of as a hit, and Josh Hader winds up getting a save in this one. He only went 11 pitches, so he might be available for a save opportunity on Friday. You do want to note that, and for the Brewers, their big hit of the game, Ryan Braun, his 19th home run of the year, that came in the third inning off of Caleb Smith. And Caleb Smith, a guy that's given up five or more earned runs in, I believe, four out of his last seven starts. Stop in this one, five and two thirds innings. He gives up three runs, all of which were earned bullpen from there. Three and a third innings of hitless baseball themselves. So the Miami Marlins, a team that has not been doing well with the bullpen, they were able to do a solid job there. And for the Miami Marlins, they still have played right around 60% of their home games to the over. So you do want to note that. The Kansas City Royals are all of a sudden getting some offense as they take down the Chicago White Sox by a count of 6-3 in this one. Lucas Giolito, not his best showing. He does get 12 strikeouts, but in six innings, he gives up five runs, all of which were earned, including two home runs. Bullpen from there winds up giving up one unearned run over the course of three innings. And for the Kansas City Royals, 
Jorge Soler is on fire. 44th homer on the year, and the Brian Dozier was able to get his 26th as well. And Jorge Lopez, who was the second least profitable pitcher out there in the big leagues when he was removed from the starting rotation back in, I think it was late May, early June. He has now put together back-to-back good starts, as in this one, he goes five and a third innings. He gives up three runs, only two of which were earned. So over his last 11 and a third innings, he's given up two earned runs. Bullpen from there was absolutely terrific for the Kansas City Royals. You don't know what you're going to get day-to-day from this bullpen, but on this day, they wind up going three and two-thirds innings and not giving up a single run. And for the Chicago White Sox, this is a team that you just don't know what you're going to get game-to-game from this team as well. As they're actually in the top eight in the big leagues with regards to runs per game ever since the start of September but ever since the All-Star break, they've been in the bottom five in that regards. The Colorado Rockies finally played a game over at Coors Field and pretty much 70% of their games at home going under ever since the beginning of the month of August, but not for the right reasons as the St. Louis Cardinals pound the tower of the Colorado Rockies by a count of 10 to 3. For the St. Louis Cardinals, they got all sorts of power in this one. Dexter Fowler was able to get his 17th home run of the year. Marcel Uzuna winds up going yard his 27th of the campaign. Colt Wong, his 11th home run of the year. Harrison Bader got into the act. He had his 8th home run of the year. And then getting his 3rd home run of the campaign, Rangel Rovero as... For the St. Louis Cardinals, Miles Mikolas, a decent start, five innings which He gives up three runs off, which were earned, including two home runs. And then the bullpen for the St. Louis Cardinals, which has been the best in regards to ERA in the big leagues ever since the All-Star break. They wind up delivering four shutout innings. That's for the Colorado Rockies. Their lone bright spot in this one was a pair of home runs off the bat of Nolan Arenado. He gets his 39th home run of the year. And getting his first home run of the year was Josh Fuentes. So that was obviously a little bit of a good sign. But Tim Melville, a guy that had actually actually been doing a pretty decent job as a unexpected starter. He goes three innings in this one. He gives up five runs, all of which were earned. The bullpen from there, which has been the worst in the big leagues for the Colorado Rockies in regards to ERA ever since the All-Star break. He combined six innings. They wind up giving up five runs, all of which were earned. This is a Rockies team that is just throwing it in the tank right now. This is a team that is becoming pretty unbackable. A team that was pretty unbackable on the road going into Thursday was the Chicago Cubs, but they are now 31-4. and 44 on the road as they take down the San Diego Padres by a count of 4-1. to And for the Cubs, it wasn't necessarily getting a whole bunch of hard contact. They were just able to grind out a couple runs over the course of eight hits, and they got another tremendous start from you Darvish. He winds up going six innings, gives up two hits, 14 strikeouts, and I continue to say it with the Cubs. Bullpen is actually pretty good for this team. They go three innings. They give up just one run in the process. And this is a Cubs team that has a top five bullpen with regards to ERA out there in the big leagues. And for the San Diego Padres, Denelson Lamette has been okay for this team. 406 ERA, five innings pitch. He gives up three runs off, which were earned. And I will say the Padres bullpen is improving. And combined four innings, they give up just one run. But for the San Diego Padres, this is a team that has scored four runs or fewer in 19 out of their last 23 games. Needless to say, that's a little bit of an issue. An issue for the San Francisco Giants is the fact that they're averaging just 3.3 runs per game at home themselves as they take a 4-2 loss against the Pittsburgh Pirates for Jeff Samarja. One of his less-than-seller starts, he's been very good ever since the month of July, but he's given up four or more earned runs, and I believe now three out of his last four starts as he gives up four over the course of six and a third innings, and this one including a home run. From there, the Giants bullpen, which has been very hit or miss ever since the All-Star break, they give up no runs over the course of two and two-thirds innings and for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Joe Musgrove, a guy that is incredibly hard to figure out. A good start in this one. Five innings pitch. 
Doesn't give up a single earned run. Bullpen from there winds up going four innings, giving up two runs. And for the Pirates, their long ball came off the bat of Jacob Stallings, his sixth home run of the year. And for the San Francisco Giants, they were able to get a home run themselves off the bat of Evan Longoria's 19th. But this is a San Francisco Giants team that is continuing to struggle at home as you take a look at their home record and their record as a favorite is just not very good as the San Francisco Giants with regards to run line performance as a favorite, 10 and 20 and their home record, 30 and 41. So you want to be taking them as a dog on the road rather than at home as a favorite. A team that has been doing a very good job of playing unders is the Boston Red Sox, but they see their second over in the month of September hit on Thursday as they take down the Toronto Blue Jays by a count of 7-4. to four. And for the Boston Red Sox, though they did get seven runs, they didn't get any home runs. They were just 6 of 11 with Ben in scoring position. And for the Boston Red Sox, once again, the wholesale approach. You least just seen winds up going two and two-thirds innings. He doesn't give up a single earned run and then a bullpen of the Boston Red Sox, which has been in the top five of the big leagues with regards to bullpen ERA ever since the beginning of the month of August. They wind up going a combined six and a third innings. They do give up four runs, but only three of which were earned. So nothing great, nothing awful. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, Clay Buckles wound up getting lit up by his old team. Four innings pitch, gives up four runs, all of which were earned. And then from there, the Toronto Blue Jays bullpen wasn't great, but wasn't awful. They only gave up one earned run, but they gave up three runs in total over the course of five innings. This is a Blue Jays team with a bunch of young guys, and they made a trio of errors. That's something that you do want to note for the Toronto Blue Jays, as ever since the All-Star break, I believe that they're in the top two in the big leagues with regards to errors per game. But for the Toronto Blue Jays, this is still a team that had just three guys in the starting lineup that had a 233 or better batting average. So this is a team that they're supplying a lot of pop, but they're not supplying a lot of average in general. A team that doesn't have the best of average in general, as well as the Texas Rangers. And they've played just 11 games to the over ever since the beginning of the month of August. I believe that they're the best under team in that regard, but they wind up getting a 6-4 win over the Texas Rangers, and they were able to do so with a pair of home runs. Rudnett Odor, his 26th home run of the year, and Nick Solak, his fourth, as Colby Allard winds up having a bad start for this team. He had actually been very good. He's only given up one home run over the course of 37 and a third innings, but this was just the second start of what you gave up more than three earned runs, giving up four in four innings. But how about the Texas Rangers bullpen? They go a combined five innings. They don't give up a single earned run. One of the finest moments for this bullpen. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, Brendan McKay just continues to not give good starts for this team. He's given up three or more earned runs in all but one of his starts really ever since the beginning of the month of July as he goes three and a third innings giving up three runs and that put the bullpen in a little bit of a horse apiece situation as they give up a combined three earned runs over the course of four and two-thirds innings and the Rays after having won 11 out of their last 12 games. They have now lost two straight and for the Texas Rangers this is a team that just continues to roll at home on the road. They're right around 15 games below 500 but the Texas Rangers at home are now 41 and 30 and they are not very good as a favorite 17 and 28 in regards to the run line there but they've actually been decent on the road and for the Tampa Bay Rays they weren't able to get any home runs that they left 10 men on base but they did go 5 of 12 with that in scoring position. The LA Dodgers were not able to generate a whole lot of offense against the Baltimore Orioles but it was enough to be able to get a 4-2 win as for the LA Dodgers they wind up going 2 of 12 with men in scoring position, but they actually had four stolen bases in this one, which is a little bit surprising. You don't see that too much in this day and age, and they got a grand total of two outs out of their starting pitcher, Rich Hill. He winds up going for two outs. He gives up one run in the process, so the Dodgers... In eight and the third innings of the bullpen gives up one earned run. So 
You got to give it up to the Dodgers bullpen. They're in the top three in the NL in regards to bullpen ERA, and they certainly helped that out as the lone bright spot for the Baltimore Orioles offense in this one was a Pedro Severino home run, his 13th of the year as the Baltimore Orioles in general. Two total hits in this one. So off the bullpen in eight and a third innings, they got one hit. That's just absolutely awful. And Dylan Bundy was just not supporting this one. He actually gave a decent start. Five and two thirds innings. He gives up four runs, but only two of which were earned. And this is a guy in Dylan Bundy that has given up Three earned runs or fewer in, I believe, eight out of his last 10 starts. And the Baltimore Orioles bullpen also was pretty solid. Three and a third innings. They don't give up as much of a single hit, but the Orioles, it's just one thing after the other. You just don't know what you're going to get out of this team, and you just don't know what you're going to get out of the Phillies from night to night as they take down the Atlanta Braves by a count of nine to five. For the Atlanta Braves, they were able to get a trio of home runs in this one. Ronald Acuna Jr. is 39th. He's on fire. Ozzy Albies, his 22nd, and Rival is 7th as two of those came off of Drew Smiley, who, oh, by the way, the Phillies in his last eight starts are now six and two in them. This despite the fact that Drew Smiley in that time span is giving up right around two and a half home runs per nine innings and has an ERA right around six as he goes in this one four innings giving up four runs three of which were earned but the bullpen of the Phillies has been one of the better ones in the big leagues ever since the all-star break. They wind up going to combine five innings. They give up one run in the process and for the Philadelphia Phillies they were just hitting the ball silly in this one. Gene Segura's 12th home run of the year. Cesar Hernandez is 11th. JG Riamuto is 25th and then Adam Hasili, his fifth. As for Julio Tadon, a guy that I've really loved betting on, for the fourth time, really, ever since the beginning of the month of May, he gave up more than three earned runs at a start. Four innings pitch gives up five runs, all of which were earned, including three home runs. And then from there, the Atlanta Braves bullpen, which has been the bottom five in the big leagues with regards to ERA, they didn't help the process. They wind up going four innings, giving up four runs, all of which were earned. The Houston Astros were a $3 favorite against the Oakland A's, and they were the biggest favorite to wind up losing on Thursday by a count of 3-2. to two. Justin Verlander, despite being 18-6, and six, probably should have a better record than what he does have. Now, in this one, he did give up three runs over the course of six innings, but he wound up having his offense really letting him down. 0-10 with men in scoring position is what the Houston Astros were. They leave 10 men on base. They were able to get a home run off the bat of Jose Altuve, though. His 27th of the campaign as Homer Bailey continues to be absolutely sensational with the Oakland A's. I believe he has now made 10 starts for them. Eight out of the 10, he has given up three earned runs or fewer in this one. Five and a third innings, he gives up just one run, taming a very good Houston Astros lineup. And in this one, Matt Olson was really the difference maker for the Oakland A's. In the third inning, he was able to get a two-run home run, his 32nd home run, of the campaign as we have seen just a absolutely insane series from the Oakland A's and the Houston Astros as the Oakland A's proving to be one of the best underdogs out there in the big leagues with regards to cashing tickets and a team that has been good at being able to cash tickets as an underdog is the Minnesota Twins but they wind up losing to the Washington Nationals by a count of 12 to 6. Prior to this game, the Minnesota Twins had played just one over in the entire month of September, but in this one, it was just a game of home run derby for both teams as the Washington Nationals belted out a grand total of four of them on this night as it was Adam Eaton getting things started off of Kyle Gibson, his 14th of the campaign, Anthony Rendon is 33rd, Juan Soto is 34th, and Jan Gomes is 10th. As for the Washington Nationals, pretty decent start off Patrick Corbin, six innings pitch, he gives up three runs off, which were earned. He's not quite the same pitcher 
home to row, but he certainly did his job. And then the bullpen of the Washington Nationals continues to be the Washington Nationals bullpen as they wind up giving up three runs over the course of three innings. They are still in the bottom five of the big leagues with regards to bullpen ERA. And then for the Minnesota Twins, they got a pair of home runs themselves. Jonathan Scope is 22nd of the year, and Nelson Cruz is 36th as for Kyle Gibson. Just not a good start in this one, and he wasn't backed up by too much good pitching either as he winds up going four and two-thirds innings, giving up six runs, five of which were earned, Bullpen from there, four and a third innings. They give up six runs, all of which were earned, including two of those four home runs. So needless to say, that game was a little bit overwhelming. And ever since the beginning of the month of August, the Washington Nationals putting up the most runs per game of any team out there in the big leagues. And another team that has been putting up quite a few runs and it's been leading to a lot of overs is the Seattle Mariners as I'm doing this as the game is still in progress. I have to post this up by Midnight Pacific and currently the game is in the top of the eighth inning with the Cincinnati Reds leading the Seattle Mariners by kind of seven to five. If the if the Reds pull this one off it'll be the Fifth time that the Cincinnati Reds win a Tyler Molly start in his last 25. He winds up not even giving a good start in this one. Three and a third innings, giving up four runs, all of which were earned. Bullpen from there has been pretty decent. They've won three and two-thirds innings, giving up just one run. But keep in mind, the Cincinnati Reds bullpen, bottom eight in the big leagues ever since the All-Star break. It has not been good. But for the Cincinnati Reds, they were able to get a big shot off of Freddie Galvis in the seventh inning. A grand slam home run. That is his fifth while with the Cincinnati Reds. And I believe it's 22nd of the year. And for the Seattle Mariners, this is a team that did not get the start that they desired out of their young prospect, Justin Dunn. He gives up two runs, both of which were earned while recording two outs. And he didn't give up a single hit, and there was no errors committed behind him. He gave up five walks while recording two outs. That is absolutely incredible. The bullpen from there has had to go six and a third innings, and they've given up five runs, all of which were earned this for a Seattle Mariners bullpen. That's very poopy. But what is good for the Mariners is a trio of home runs in this one. Dylan Moore, his ninth of the campaign. You've got Omar Tobias going deep for his 20th home run of the year. And how about the story of this guy? Three straight nights, he has one yard. Kyle Lewis, his third of the campaign. So perhaps there's something brewing there with Seattle, but needless to say, they also have brewing something very, very interesting with how bad the pitching. What did we all learn from Major League Baseball on Thursday? The Seattle Mariners continue to play overs, and Tyler Molly continues to be not so effective, but we will wait and see if the team is finally able to get a win with him out there. The Arizona the Diamondbacks have went ice cold. Meanwhile, Marcus Stroman and the bullpen might be right now in peak form for the New York Mets. The Yankees continue to play overs on the road, and the Detroit Tigers, they just continue to not be able to cover the run line. Despite Christian Yelich being out of the fold, the Milwaukee Brewers are still getting some very good pitching in general. The Chicago White Sox might be seeing a little bit of regression with Lucas Giolito. Meanwhile, Jorge Soler continues to be white hot for the Kansas City Royals. The Colorado Rockies have been playing a lot of unders at Coors Field, but whenever the games do go over, it's typically not a result of them. The Chicago Cubs are ice cold on the road, but they were aided by the fact that the San Diego Padres are generating no offense right now. The San Francisco Giants are a vastly different team home to road, and they are much better to back as a underdog on the road than they are a home favorite. The Boston Red Sox are continuing to get some good bullpen pitching. Meanwhile, Clay Buckles, certainly a little bit of a mystery at this point for the Toronto Blue Jays. 
Julio Tehran for the year has been pretty darn good, but the bullpen of the Atlanta Braves not so good, and the Philadelphia Phillies just continue to be a box of chocolates. The LA Dodgers bullpen looking very good right now. Meanwhile, the Baltimore Orioles just continue to be hit by Murphy's Law. The Washington Nationals offense continues to be straight fire. Meanwhile, for the Minnesota Twins, Kyle Gibson continues to be a little bit of an up-and-down starter. The Texas Rangers are a vastly different team home to road, but Brandon McKay for the Tampa Bay Rays just not delivering good starts right now, and Justin Verlander, despite the fact that he's 18 and six continues to be on the wrong end of a little bit of luck, but Homer Bailey for the Oakland A's continues to be absolutely sensational. So that is what we all learned from Major League Baseball on Thursday. Now let's turn the page forward to Friday. Let's pick the brain of Scott Hastings of Odd Shark. Take a look at what some of his angles for betting September baseball are, and just his angles for pitchers that have just recently come off a complete game as well. That is coming up next right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg is going to the bullpen as he makes a call to the Azunia Hotline. And we're back here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you from the Vivid Seat Studios out here in lovely Las Vegas. And it is great to have on our next guest. I feel like it's been too long since we've gone to our guys out there in Odd Shark. They're doing terrific work. Whenever you hear me refer to money won, money lost for starting pitchers, this is where I always get that information from. And one of the men that is providing so much good information for them, not just on the MLB front, but with college basketball, college football, MMA, boxing, NFL, the list goes on and on. I think that in his free time, Scott Hastings might be breaking down some Cricket World Championship out there in Australia. This guy does so much stuff. You can follow him on Twitter at Scotty H underscore OS as it is Scott Hastings joining me. And Scott, how are you doing on this fine day? I'm great, and what a horrible beat by New Zealand to England in the Cricket World Cup final. So if we're going to go there, uh, you know, we can have at it. You can't not count the overs and go to an extra overtime. You can't just kill it at that point in the finals. Let's talk about baseball. How are you? Oh, I am doing terrific. Thank you. And there are some teams out there on the front of baseball that are terrific. And then there are some teams that, well, things are not going so well for them. And I think that the NL Central is the most intriguing division out there. And we're going to have a very good matchup on Friday. Adrian Hauser is going to be going for the Milwaukee Brewers. Adam Wainwright, who is a vastly different home to road, going for the St. Louis Cardinals. Right now I'm seeing this opening up with the Cardinals laying right around minus 125 and a total of eight. What do you make out of this matchup? Because Adrian Hauser has actually been terrific for the Brewers. I would argue their best starter the past month or so. Meanwhile, like I said, Adam Wainwright. On the road, he's been a hot mess, but at home, he's been great. And the St. Louis Cardinals have been playing right around 59% of their home games to the under. Yeah, it's interesting because Milwaukee, I had them dead to rights there about two, about two weeks ago. I thought, all right, it's going to be Cards, Cubs, going to battle it out. I had the Cards from the beginning of the season as my World Series pick. And to win the NL Central at about 175, 185. I have to check my account there. But yeah, I was all in on the cards. They started off so slow. They're definitely unreal in the second half. And, you know, this pitching matchup is so intriguing because Wainwright, you know, 38 years old. You got to think, when's he going to hit the wall at some point? And horrible on the road. Just atrocious. He has been better in the second half than he was in the first half on the road. But that's not saying much. And Adrian Hauser, I've been collecting on him uh, for quite some time now, flying under the radar, as the Brewers sort of have been. But of course, the big thing with the Brews, the injury to Christian Yelich. 
and it's going to help for all under without the big bat of Yelich in the lineup. You know, it's it's going to be interesting to see the Brewers try and manufacture runs down the stretch. It's going to be hard to see them make it to the playoffs without their cornerstone in the lineup. So I think I'm going to lean towards the cards and the under could be a great play. As you mentioned, how good both starting pitchers have been, wine rate, especially at home. I do agree with you there, as we do have Scott Hastings joining me right here on the podcast. And we've got another, we've actually got a lot of terrific pitching matchups. We'll go with this one first. So Mike Soroka of the Atlanta Braves hit the road to face off against Mad Max Scherzer and the Washington Nationals. Now, Scherzer hasn't necessarily been quite himself ever since coming off the injured list, but well, it's still Max Scherzer, ladies and gentlemen, and you're seeing a total of eight and a half on this one, shaded to the under, and no surprise, the Washington Nationals, a pretty big favorite here, right around minus 160 as we do this. How do you see this one? Because Soroka been one of the most profitable pitchers out there in the big leagues, but I feel like this total of eight and a half, despite the fact that these two teams, well, their bullpens are in the bottom 10 of the big leagues ever since the All-Star break, I do think that there is a lot of value in this under. I think eight and a half is a little bit of an insult with these turlers on the hill. I don't know why this isn't, what, four and a half, five and a half, maybe? Just absolute studs. Mike Soroka, as a rookie, what has he done? Just absolutely incredible. And, you know, as a fellow Canadian, I got to pump his tires even a little more. But yeah, outs- baby. outstanding, like 267 ERA, you know, 111 whip. He's only 22 years old. Interesting here, though. Uh, you mentioned Mad Max having some difficulties since he came off the IL and got roughed up a little bit in the Mets start. But the big thing there is he's just not pitching deep into games. He's allowing some base runners and just sort of using his strikeout to get out of those innings, which is then, as you mentioned, horrible bullpen. So you want Mad Max to go seven minimum, eight maybe if you can get there. And then I think totally the under is in play. You know, as far as a side on this one, it's it's crazy because the Braves don't win behind Soroka recently. Like since the start of April, they've won two of his seven starts. So it's one of those ones that, you know, he keeps them in the game. They should be very competitive. My big thing is just keeping an eye on Scherzer. If he can get into the six, seven, eight innings pitch, under all day, and I would lean towards the Nats in that case. But right from the get-go, you know, both teams have been playing pretty well recently. Braves, winners of, what, eight of their last 10 or so. Initial thoughts would be under, and then I'd lean probably towards the Nats just because of, I give the edge to Shurs. I just think, you know, veteran presence. And if they can cause a little issues with the Braves, of course, they're going to take their shot. I do agree with you. This is a very big matchup not just for the playoff implications and everything like that just for Mad Max Scherzer trying to get online as well so I do think that that's very interesting and then the other good pitching matchup I'm looking at Clayton Kershaw and the LA Dodgers at the road face off against the New York Mets and Noah Syndergaard I'm very intrigued by this one we're seeing another total right around eight in this one and Noah Syndergaard has had a couple bad starts recently but ever since the all-star break aside from two bad starts he's been good at Clayton Kershaw all year long certainly has been getting the job done, though he's wiltered a little bit as well. What do you make out of this one? Because I do feel like the over is a little bit more in play in this one. But with that said, I do expect a very good duel in this one as well. Yeah, I think we're on the same wavelength here on the last game and this one. I would lean towards the over. The over in Clayton Kershaw games has been an interesting one because the books typically set that line at the seven and a half, eight and a half at the upper limit because it is Clayton Kershaw. But he allows runs. He hasn't had very many starts this year where he's thrown the goose egg. He's always allowed one, two to three runs. People assume that he's just going to shut the door time and time again, and it doesn't seem to happen. 
and he's been a little worse on the road, but the Dodgers offense has also been a little rough on the road. So it's very interesting. And then Thor, Noah Syndergaard, has been worse at home than he has been on the road. So you got this perfect blend for an over that I think plenty of people will pound the under. We get to fade the public. We get to laugh. We get to collect our money and we move on to the next game. How about that? I like that as we do have Scott Asings joining me on the podcast, a man that I always enjoy having some laughs with. And speaking of something that is very, very laughable, the pitching matchup in the Seattle Mariners versus the Chicago White Sox game. You've got Dylan Covey going for the White Sox as a starter this year. His ERA in his starts is above eight. Meanwhile, Yusei Kikuchi has seen right around 70% of his starts go over, and we're seeing a total of nine and a half in this game. I'm looking at this total over. I know that both these offenses, ever since the All-Star break, have not really gotten it going. But with this pitching matchup, I just can't see any other way to go about it. And if you're looking from a side perspective, Mariners laying right around minus 140. Yeah, so I have a bone to pick with Mr. Kikuchi. Mid-August, the Mariners were at Rogers Center in Toronto. You know, on the road, he had gone over in, I don't know what it was, seven, eight straight games that he had pitched on the road. His ERA was elevated. Horrible. The Jays were hitting well. I think they had taken the first two games of that series. I went hard into the paint on the over. <laughs> he throws a complete game shutout. Two hitter. So I don't like this man. <sighs> I don't like this man at all. But I also do not like Dylan Covey. There lies the problem. I think I would have to go on the side on this one. Just both lineups. Just Oh, my gosh. They don't give me anything. To excite, uh, I think the Mariners' bats are better than the White Sox' bats. So I'd probably lean towards the Mariners, especially getting it under minus 150. I think it's a bit of a steal. Kikuchi has been better at home than he has been on the road. Again, that's not saying much. But any chance I get it, get to fade the White Sox and get a minus 150 or lower, you got to take it. Totally agree with you there. And I was on the over in that Issei Kikuchi start in Toronto as well. And believe me, I was none too pleased either. But a man that I have been pleased with is Luis Cassio. He seems to be pitching well for the Cincinnati Reds, the top under team out there in the big leagues. And they're going to be going on the road facing off against the Arizona Cardinals and Mike Leake. Mike Leake certainly has been giving up his home runs. But with that said, he's actually been a little bit better recently. But this is still a guy that... Even in his time with Seattle, I just had a tough time trusting in. Right now, we're seeing the Cincinnati Reds as a short favorite and a total of eight and a half. I think this is a, a very intriguing total because Mike Lee, seemingly an all or nothing starter. And with the Reds, their bullpen ever since the All-Star break went from very good before it to very bad after it. And fortunately for the Reds is the guy in the mound, Luis Castillo. He, he keeps them in ball games and he pitches deep into games. Since the late July, he's had all of his starts except for one. He has pitched at least six innings. That gives some relief on the bullpen, especially heading into a weekend series. The Diamondbacks, oh my lord. They're one of those teams that, yeah, say there's absolutely no chance that they win a game. You know, they could take a game from the Dodgers that you don't expect. Heading into the season, you know, after they traded Goldie and whatnot during the offseason, I don't think I'm by myself by thinking that the Diamondbacks are we're going to be one of the worst teams in that division. And there they are in second place. They're one of these most intriguing teams. Their pitching staff just seems to float by with mediocrity, you know, sitting around that four to five ERA with the whole rotation. The batting lineup isn't overly sexy, but it, they get it done. 
the Reds, their batting lineup can't score runs. I don't know what it is with the Reds. They cannot score runs. So I would lean towards the under in this one. I don't know if the Reds can manufacture enough runs to do a lot of damage. And I think Luis Casillo should keep the D-backs in check. I'm going to lean towards under eight and a half. And with the Reds, it seems like all their runs are coming off of home runs by Eugenio Suarez and one of my favorite names, Aristide Sakino. They both have been very good, but <laughs> that's had not a lot of offense. I do agree with you there. And then how about if we take a look at, because we've done some of the good pitching matchups, a pitching matchup that's a little bit more suspect. You've got Sandy Alcantara going for the Miami Marlins and Tyler Beatty of the San Francisco Giants. And we're seeing a total of eight and a half shaded to the under. I just can't get behind Tyler Beatty. He's a minus 136 favorite in this one. I think he's given up three or more earned runs in all but one of his last seven starts. I'm going to look at the numbers a little bit later, but he has up a good. Meanwhile, Sandy Alcantara, did he deserve to be an all-star this year? No, but at the same time, I have a lot more faith in him. And the Miami Marlins, pretty comparable team home to road. And the Giants actually struggle at home. Yeah, Alcantara, he's he's one that I don't I don't feel bad betting on Alcantara. It's interesting to say about the Marlins, anything about the Marlins. If you're betting on them, you should probably give your head a shake, but we're degenerates and we will take yep. an angle when we get an angle. That whole NL West, maybe it's just me. I have not had a good run on betting on that division. Every other division, I think I've pegged out pretty good. The bottom half of that AL Central is ugly as well, but yeah, it's not to be surprised. That NL West has my number. So any chance I can to fade them and possibly get a win, I would lean towards Miami in this game. Alcantara coming off the keep complete game goose egg against the Royals is interesting because I always look for a pitcher that has thrown a complete game and how they bounce back afterwards. Because we've seen this in the past where a guy will come out with a dominant performance and then they lay an egg the next time out. And Alcantara earlier in the season, way back in May, he threw a complete game against the Mets complete game goose egg. And then the next time out, he threw five innings, allowed four earned on six hits, and then was pulled from the game, lost five nothing. So do we use past performance and assume that he's going to lay an egg this time around against the Giants? I don't know. Big question. I think the odds there should be a lot tighter. And for that reason, I would probably lean towards the fish, but with little confidence. So you're going to be getting a very fishy situation here is what we're saying as Scott Eastings is <laughs> ready right. to be right here on the podcast. And you talk about that philosophical question with guys coming off a complete game. Does your handicapping adjust at all when it comes to September baseball betting in general as well? Because we know that there's a lot of younger guys that are playing in these games. Anthony Kay is going to be going for the Toronto Blue Jays in a start. And we're seeing a lot of these younger guys getting a shot as well. Do you adjust your handicapping from more of the summer months to September as a result? Well, it's interesting because you would think that you would lean towards more unders because typically teams will pull up uh, another handful of relievers, expanding that bullpen, as well as getting fresher legs coming off the bench, seventh, eighth inning, especially in the National League. I usually try to keep with my same strategy that I go with. As far as new pitchers, you're seeing a lot of new starters coming up, especially the last week. I've seen you know six, seven, eight starters making their first start of the year. And I've noticed that a lot of these games have been going under. And I I don't know how other people are approaching these games, whether they're leaning towards the over with an unknown arm. But the Jays did it against Boston there earlier this week. And then Boston also had a new arm starting and that game also went under. That's one of the things I've always seen dating back to when I was a young child watching baseball. 
so-and-so is making his first MLB start, and you're like, oh, great, you know, licking your chops. He had a five ERA in AAA, and then he goes and throws seven scoreless innings. And I think it's because the video isn't out on these pitchers, and you're trying to learn where their release point is and all that sort of stuff. So anytime I see a new pitcher, I will stay away from the side, but I always lean towards the under. And typically, these totals have been set in around the 10, 10 and a half, 11 mark, possibly because they assume these people are going to unravel under the big lights. But earlier in the season, we were seeing totals set at 10 and a half, and they were soaring over. Recently, I've been seeing the complete opposite over the last month or so. I totally agree with you. I've been playing a lot of unders recently. It's been successful. And with these newer pitchers, it's one of these things where the game is either going to go way under or way over. You typically don't see a traditional five to three, five to four game with these guys. So I do think that that's a very good point. And Scott, is there anything else that's really standing out to you on Friday's card? We've got pretty much everyone in action and We've got some interesting games. We had on quite a few of them, but anything in particular that you have a star on? No, I think we hit the big ones. Tremendous pitching matchups with Mike Soroka, Max Scherzer. I love seeing Jake Odorizzi out there. Even though he's a little rocky sometimes, he's always exciting. That Pittsburgh-Chicago game is going to be intriguing as well. John Lester at home is usually terrific, but there's glimpses there. I've been enjoying betting on the Pirates recently. They've made me a few dollars there, always getting the underdog money. And they're not that bad. And they did this last year towards the end of the season, August onwards, that they keep getting underdog money and there's money to be made there. Yeah, they certainly have turned over a new leaf after coming out of the All-Star break. Well, it wasn't necessarily so good, but what is always good is the content that Scott Acings puts out for Odd Shark. You can follow him on Twitter at Scotty H underscore OS. And Scott, let the good people at home know know what they can expect a little bit more from you, where they can get more of your work and just what Odd Shark is all doing, because you, along with so many others, are doing tremendous work. Busy times there at the Odd Shark office. Right now, we're in full swing in football, of course. The third week of college football and second week of NFL. So we're pretty much trying to dot our T's and cross our I's for the pigskin. And just before you know it, college basketball is ready to go. And I can't wait for another exciting season in that. A lot more even field after Duke graduated some of their players into the NBA. Yeah, most of my content will be on Twitter, as you mentioned there, and on oddshark.com, where there's lots of interesting factoids that you can find, as you mentioned right off the top with the pitcher win-loss columns. Those are fantastic. Oh, absolutely. And I can't wait for college basketball myself. So a big thanks to Scott Hastings for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And coming up next, we do give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board. And we do so on something I like to call Punch Em All. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it. And we're back here in the Vivid Seat Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. A big thanks to our man, Scott Hastings Vodchark, for joining me in the last segment. And it is that time right now that we give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board. And we do so in a little something I like to call... Touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Note that any changes that are made to these plays going to be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNRSquarty1 with some of these plays. They are all locked in, good to go, bet on, everything like that. With some of these plays, we're in wait and see mode, waiting on lineup changes, line moves, everything like that. 
with all the plays that are not locked in. They are going to be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNRScore81 in the morning with the set numbers they do get. And with all the plays that are already locked in, I'm going to be letting you guys know about that as we go along through the podcast and as per usual, going in Las Vegas rotation order. And that begins with 9.51, 9.52 on the bang rotation. The Chicago Cubs are going to be playing also the Pittsburgh Pirates. With this, the total is off the board because this is a game being played at Wrigley Field, but if you are looking at the Buccos, it's anywhere between plus 153 and plus 155. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it with the Cubs, anywhere between minus 163 and minus 175. And is there a more unpredictable pitcher out there than John Lester? You're either going to get very good John Lester or you're going to get very bad John Lester. There just hasn't been a whole lot of in-between as in his last three starts. He has given up one earned run, zero earned runs, and eight. The two starts previous to that, he gives up six and he gives up zero. It's one of these situations where you just don't know what you're going to get from him game to game. He's either terrific or he is just absolutely awful. Meanwhile, Stephen Brault, over his last 14 starts, he's given up more than three earned runs in two of them. Both of those came against the St. Louis Cardinals. This is not a guy that's going to give you a whole lot of length. And obviously, there is a element of travel with both these teams coming over from the West Coast, but with that said, for the Cubs, top 10 bullpen in regards to ERA out there in the big leagues, I know that they get a little bit of a bad rap, but they're solid there, and for the Pittsburgh Pirates, bottom 10 in regards to bullpen ERA, but with the Pittsburgh Pirates, you do have a lot of guys that are doing a very good job of getting on base and have really racked up that batting average, as you have Kevin Kramer along with Adam Frazier, Colin Moran, Josh Bell, all hitting in that neighborhood of, I would say, a 270 to a 280. You have a couple guys that are letting the team down with the bat. You do need to get a little bit more out of guys like Pablo Reyes and Eric Gonzalez. They're both hitting a 220 or lower, but you're even getting something out of Jacob Sellings is hitting at 270. You have noticed that Melky Cabrera's returned to the fold. He's hitting at 280. Sterling Marte is out of the fold, but what you really need for the Pittsburgh Pirates is a little bit more pop because Sterling Marte and Josh Bell really the only two home run forces for this team, and Josh Bell has really slowed down with his home runs ever since the All-Star break, even though he still has 37 home runs at 116 RBI. You also do have a pair of guys in Kevin Newman and Brian Reynolds hitting above a 310 for the team as well. Then you take a look at the Chicago Cubs. This is a banged up bunch, but Kyle Schwarber, despite the fact that he's hitting a 233, has been very good at being able to unleash the deep ball. 35 home runs for him so far this year, and then you've got quite a few guys in the middle of the lineup doing a very good job with their batting averages. Nick Castellanos, Wilson Contreras, Chris Bryant, and Anthony Rizzo. And for all these guys, aside from Wilson Contreras, who's been so banged up throughout the year, they all have a home run count that is 25 or greater. And Victor Garantini, whenever he's in the fold, he's been doing a good job of getting on base. He's hitting at 275. Nick Cassianos, ever since he came over to the Cubs, has been one of the best hitters in the big leagues, by the way. Then you've got a little bit of backup. Ben Zobras, David Bodie, along with Jason Hayward, only between a 252 and a 264. Do you need a little bit more out of guys like Ian Happ, Tony Kemp, and Albert Almora Jr.? They're hitting a 240 or lower. But I do think that this is a Cubs lineup that has a little bit of pop, but at the same time, I have a lot more faith, and I know what I'm getting more out of Stephen Brault than John Lester. And I'm going to be looking at the Pirates on the plus price here. I'm currently Wayne Seamode. I do think that there's going to be heavy public action on the Cubs, so I'm Wayne Seamode there. And I do want to see what way the wind is blowing before really locking things in, so I'm in Wayne Seamode there as the total is going to be off the board. So total is a little bit of a mystery, but likely going to be riding the Buckos in the spot. As always, Chuck Crack in the morning at GNR. 
Mariners scored a one for set plays there. 953 and 954 on the bang rotation. The Atlanta Braves hit the road to face off against the Washington Nationals. Mad Max Scherzer goes for the Nationals. Meanwhile, Mike Soroka for the Atlanta Braves. Your total on this game is ranging between 8 and 8.5. And on the 8.5, the under is just a minus 120. The overs even if you're looking at the 8s. Overs just a minus 115. The under is minus 105. If you're looking at the Nationals, you're going to be laying it minus 160 across the board. Meanwhile, plus price here with the Braves. Anywhere between plus 145 and plus 150. And this is a Braves team that does have a lot of very good bets. You've got three guys in the lineup with 36-plus home runs. Ronald Acuna Jr., along with Freddie Freeman and Josh Donaldson. They've all certainly been doing their jobs. And in the case of Ronald Acuna Jr. and Ozzie Albies at the top lineup, these are two guys are in between a 280 and a 290. So you do have to like that. Freddie Freeman hitting above a 300. So that's been absolutely huge. Do need to get a little bit more towards the bottom of the lineup. As Donaldson, along with Brian McCann and Dansby Swanson, only between a 250 and a 260. I will say Mo Matt Joyce is out there sitting more around a 290. And Charlie Culberson has been banged up, but he's been delivering a little bit of something. This team is cooking the tires on a combination of young guys and cast-offs from other teams to be able to pick things up, though. Adam Duvall and Austin Riley are hitting between a 235 and a 250 in the outfield. And then you've got guys like Denny Hedgeveria, Billy Hamilton and company that have all been added to the roster as well. And then when you take a look at the flip side for the Washington Nationals, this is a team that is getting a whole lot of production out of the top of the lineup. As Trey Turner down for what? And Adam Eaton only in between a 285 and in the case of Trey Turner, right around a 300. Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto both have an on-base percentage above a 400. And both these gentlemen have just been absolutely clubbing the ball. 33-plus home runs for each. 100-plus RBI for each. And then you got Howie Hendrick, who does a great job of getting on base. He's hitting above a 300 ever since Ezra Cabrera has come over into the lineup. He's hitting well above a 300. He, for the year, hitting more around a 255. And then you got Victor Robles hitting a 245. Kurt Suzuki, when out there, hitting more in the realm of a 260. Need a little bit more out of Brian Dozier and Matt Adams. Both these guys hitting a 235 or lower. And then you got Jan Gomes and Michael A. Taylor have been big disappointments. But all in all, I do think that you've got two high-powered lineups. And I think that the Atlanta Braves have a little bit of an edge in this one. The Atlanta Braves bullpen has been very bad ever since the All-Star break. But the Washington Nationals bullpen has shown time and time again this year that they're even worse. And with Mad Max Scherzer ever since coming off the injured list, has not really went more than six innings in any one of his starts. That is a little bit glaring to me. And with Mike Soroka, yeah, he did wind up getting roughed up a little bit in his last start, but this is a guy that for the year has done a very good job of being able to limit the long ball. He's giving up right in the realm of .7 home runs per nine innings, despite the fact that I think he gave up four in his last start. So he's been doing a great job in that regard. Not necessarily the best swing and miss guy, right around seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings, but He's given up more than three earned runs in two starts ever since the All-Star break, and I don't think that he's had a start this year in which he's given up really more than four aside from that one start that he had in the middle of June against the Pittsburgh Pirates, so he certainly has been a rock in that regard, and I do think that Soroka is a little bit more of a known quality as Mad Max Scherzer is still trying to work his way off the injured list. So for that reason, looking at the plus price here with the Atlanta Braves, and I do think that both these starters are going to be at their best looking at this total under. I'd like to see if the Eight and a half is able to get a little bit less unjuiced before being able to lock this one in. And I certainly do think that we're going to see quite a few people riding the Washington Nationals as I've already seen this stick up to the Braves plus 155. 955, 956 on the bank rotation. The New York Mets are going to be playing LC LA Dodgers. Quinn Kershaw goes for the Dodgers. Meanwhile, Noah Thor Syndergaard is on the bump for the New York Mets. Your total on this game is between seven and a half and eight. On the eights, the under is just minus 120. The over is even. On the seven and a half, the over is minus 115. The under is minus 105.
If you're looking at the Dodgers, you're going to wind up laying a little bit of a number here that is anywhere between minus 130 and minus 135. Meanwhile, plus price here on the bets, anywhere between plus 120 and plus 125. This is such an intriguing spot, and I think that it was said best by our man Scott Hastings. With Clayton Kershaw, he has been very good so far this year, but at the same time, he does give up a little bit. He's actually a very comparable pitcher home to row, but it just seems like there are situations in which he's going to give up a couple runs for the year. He's given up right around 1.35 home runs per nine innings, so he certainly has been, been flawless there. And he wound up taking the loss in his last start against the San Francisco Giants at home. He didn't make it out of the fourth inning, so that was a little bit of a bug for him. And he's actually lost each of his last three starts after the team had started out, I believe, 18-4 and four in his last 22 starts. Meanwhile, Syndergaard, in two out of his last three starts, Things have not necessarily gone as planned. He had one very good start in the middle, but in his last start against the Phillies, he gives up four runs there. And then against the Cubs at home, he gives up nine runs over the course of three innings. Before then, in the All-Star break, he had been very good prior to those. Last three starts, he had given up one home run over the course of 48 innings with an ERA hovering right around two. So the real Thor Syndergaard is probably somewhere in between. And for the New York Mets, I actually really like the way that this team is trending with their bats. You saw them just absolutely light up the airs in the Diamondbacks for a combined 20 runs over the last two days. And you've got a team that has the second best batting average in the big leagues ever since the All-Star break. And that's because Amit Rosario, J.D. Davis, and Wilson Ramos are all guys hitting between a 287 and a 308. And all these guys are hitting a 320 plus ever since the All-Star break. I know that Ramos has been out of the lineup the past couple days, so you've had guys like Tomas Nito, Juan Lagares, and company in there, and they're a little bit of a letdown, but even Todd Frazier starting to give this team a little bit of power. He hit some home runs in that series against the... Arizona Diamondbacks give him 21 for the year. You now have Robinson Cano back in the fold. He's been hitting right around a 265, which is where the batting average of Pete Alonso lies. But with Pete Alonso, you've got a man that is driving in a whole bunch of runs, over 110 to go along with his 47 home runs. Michael Conforto has also done a very good job with his 260 average of being able to supply the boom. 30 home runs for him. The list goes on and on with the Mets. And for the Mets, top five bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues ever since the All-Star break. Meanwhile, you take a look on the flip side for the Dodgers. It's been okay. It's third best in the National League for the year, but they certainly have been wiltering a little bit, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that they've been having to take a lot of wholesale approaches. We saw that a few days ago when they had Ross Stripling out there on the mound, but you do have to like that for the LA Dodgers. You have that man, Cody Bellinger, out there. Cody Bellinger has been doing an absolutely terrific job as he has been hitting above a $300 all year long. He's got 44 home runs, over 100 RBI. Jock Peterson seems to be picking it up. He, along with A.J. Pollock, are in between a 250 and a 260. And for Jock Peterson, he's got over 30 home runs. Chris Taylor to go along with Corey Seager are also hitting in that realm of a 260. And Kike Hernandez, only hitting a 240 for the year, but since coming off the injured list has been much better. Gavin Lux is hitting 8-260, and then you got Will Smith when he was out there at the catcher spot instead of Russell Martin and Austin Barnes. It's been getting a home run every 11 or so at bats. This is still a very good lineup, which is why I do think that we are going to see this total go over, but I think that Noah Syndergaard is going to be able to pick himself up off the mat. I think that Clayton Kershaw is struggling a little bit, and the bullpen of the Dodgers at this point is just completely taxed, and I do think that the Mets, as strange as it sounds, I didn't think I'd be saying this at the beginning of the year, have a huge advantage with regards to the 
back end. So for that reason, looking at the bets and the over, trying to see if I'm able to get this 7.5 on juices, I'm noticing it coming down and money's coming in on the Dodgers right now. So I'm in wait and see mode on both of these. We move on to 9.57, 9.58 on the bagging rotation. The Milwaukee Brewers hit the road to face off against the St. Louis Cardinals. Adam Wainwright goes for the Cardinals. Meanwhile, Adrian Hauser for the Milwaukee Brewers. Your total on this game is 8. The under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. If you're looking at the Brew Crew, you're going to be getting a plus price here. Anywhere between plus 115 and this just came up, plus 126. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it with the Cardinals, that is anywhere between minus 125 and minus 136. And this is a spot where I'm going to actually be looking at the Milwaukee Brewers. I do like what I've seen out of Adrian Hauser in his last couple starts. This is a line that was beginning to creep towards the Milwaukee Brewers' favor before that plus 126 creeped up. And for the Milwaukee Brewers... In Adrian Hauser's last five starts, I know he went fewer than five innings in his last start, but he's given up one earned run. Meanwhile, with Adam Wainwright, he has been tremendous at home. This is a guy with an ERA hovering right around three-ish whenever he's at home on the road that balloons to five-plus. So certainly he does have some splits that are very real, but you take a look at Adam Wainwright in general. In the month of August, he was terrific. He gave up more than three earned runs in just one of his starts ever since then, and he even closed out the month of July with a good start against the Cubs as well. So he is a guy that's really rounding in a form, but what you have to fear with Adam Wainwright is the walks. He's given out over 3.7 of them per nine innings. Meanwhile, with Adrian Hauser, he's given up right around three per nine, and he's only being taken deep right around 1.1 times per nine innings for the Milwaukee Brewers. We all know the uphill battle that they're facing, not having Christian Yelich, but getting Mike Moustakas back in the fold is actually very good timing. As Mike Moustakas hitting at 265, he has got 33 home runs on the year. Yasmani Grandal has went deep right around 28 times. He's got a batting average of a 255, and for that matter, you've got so many guys on this Milwaukee Brewers team. They're sort of hitting in that realm of, I would say, a 245 and a 265, as adding to that is Lorenzo Cain, along with Ben Gamble. Her name Perez is just below that at 235, but then you've also got Trent Grisham now hitting at 257. Corey Spangenberg is on that list as well. So you got a lot of guys hovering in that neighborhood. You need a little bit more out of Orlando Arcia, Travis Shaw, and Manny Pina, all these guys hitting a 230 or lower. And Tyler Austin only hitting a buck 90, but ever since he got to the Brewers, he seems to have a little bit of a new pep in his step. Meanwhile, when you take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals, you've got a lot of guys that were able to take out their frustration on the Colorado Rockies yesterday, but we also know this. The adjustment from going from Coors Field back to any place else is one that is very real, and it's one that produces a losing record for those teams. But I will say for the St. Louis Cardinals, they too are a team that has a lot of guys hitting between a 242 and I would say right around a 255 in Paul DeYoung, Paul Goldschmidt, Marcel Ozuna, Dexter Fowler. All these guys are hitting in that realm. And then when it comes to DeYoung, Ozuna, and Goldschmidt, all these guys have between 26 and 29 home runs. Past that, you do have quite a few guys that are getting on base. Yadio Munoz, along with Yadier Molina, Tommy Edmond, Tyler O'Neill, and Colt Wong are all guys that are in between a 270 and a 285. Have a couple guys in Matt Carpenter and Harrison Bader that need to pick it up. Both these guys are in between a 210 and a 225. And I will say for the St. Louis Cardinals, top bullpen ERA in the big leagues ever since the All-Star break, but the Milwaukee Brewers bullpen ever since, I would say, the tail end of August, the last 21 days, has to be in the top five of the big leagues with regards to ERA as well. They have been lights out, and 
I do think that the Brewers are going to get a better start here out of Adrian Hauser than the Cardinals are going to get out of Adam Wainwright. And I think that this is a spot where the Brewers are a little bit motivated and they're going to be able to get a win. So for that reason, I'm going to be taking this total over and I've already locked in the over. And I am looking at the Brewers and I've already locked this one in. I locked it in at plus 125, which is why I was a little bit surprised when that plus 126 came on the board, but we are certainly riding out both of those as they're already fired in. 959-960 on the bank rotation. The San Diego Padres hit the road to face off against the Colorado Rockies. Jeff Hoffman goes for the Rockies. Meanwhile, Joey Lucchese for the San Diego Padres. Total on this game is 13, over and under, both at minus 110. If you're looking at the pods, it's anywhere between minus 116 and minus 125. Meanwhile, your plus price here with the Colorado Rockies, anywhere between plus 106 and plus 115. This is the spot where I would I wish I could take a look at the underdog in this spot, but my goodness gracious, it is just not going to be happening. With the Colorado Rockies, you've got a guy in Jeff Hoffman that actually has only given up five earned runs over the course of his last two starts. One of those starts against the Padres, he went five and two-thirds innings, giving up three runs, but he's given up 15 home runs in 51 innings. Now, I will recognize right now, Joey Lucchese, not the same pitcher home to road. At home, he's got an ERA that is below three on the road. That balloons right around five, but with regards to Joey Lucchese, he has been in very good recent form ever since the beginning of the month of August. August seventh. Over the course of his last six starts, he's given up three earned runs or fewer in all of them. And only one of those starts, he gave up three earned runs. All the rest are two or fewer. So he certainly has been doing a good job there. Coors Field has not necessarily been overly polite to him, but he hasn't been overly polite to too many pitchers as well as for the San Diego Padres. They're a bullpen that is really starting to pick it up as well. They now rank at the top half of the big leagues with regards to ERA. They've been doing for some positive regression all year long, and they've got the best closer in the big leagues with regards to saves in Kirby Yates. Meanwhile, the Colorado Rockies, ever since the All-Star break, their bullpen ranks dead last in regards to ERA, though I will say this for the Padres. This is a team that in 19 out of their last 23 games has played a four runs or fewer. Now, we all remember the series in Colorado a few months ago in which the Padres and the Colorado Rockies scored a combined 92 runs over the course of four games. I don't see that happening here, especially with the Padres having a lot of guys that, well, they need to pick it up with the bat as Austin Allen, Tim Janikowski, Luis Arreas, Ty France, Ian Kinsler, Hunter Renfro. I realize that those two guys are injured, but this guy is not injured for the San Diego Padres, and he is not hitting well in Seth Mejia's Brian. Are all guys are hitting a 225 or lower? They certainly have some struggling bats. I will say for Will Myers, he, along with Josh Naylor, Manuel Margot, and Greg Garcia, are hitting between a 240 and 250. And Will Myers is starting to provide some power, so that is a little bit of a bright spot for the team. And then you do have Manny Machado. His batting average is zipping to a 260, but he's still got nearly 80 RBI. He's approaching 30 home runs. Not been worth the money that he's been paid, but at the very least, he's doing something. And Eric Hosmer is hitting a 280, 20 home runs, 92 RBI. But this is a team that really is not doing a whole lot on offense. And for the Colorado Rockies, they've been playing a lot of their home games to the under. I believe that uh, the last 23 games played at Coors Field, 16 of the games have went under, and two of those were pushes. Now, for the Colorado Rockies, we all know about Nolan Arenado at the top of the lineup. 313 batting average, 39 home runs, 112 RBI, and then you are getting a lot out of Charlie Blackman as well. Charlie Blackman, 317 batting average, 27 home runs. Trevor Story's hitting nearly at 300. He's got 30 home runs, but past that, a lot of the Colorado Rockies lineup has really been dipping back to the field. You still have Daniel Murphy and Romeo Tapia hitting in that realm of a 280 and a 275. You've got Tony Walters now hitting a 270. But then you've got Sam Hilliard, Yazan Diaz, Garrett Hampson, 
Dom Nunes among guys hitting a 225 or lower. So they certainly have been suffering with some famine bats. You've got Ian Kinsler and Ryan McMahon hitting right around 260. But the Colorado Rockies are right now very much an under team. Unders at Coors Field from August on the last three years have been highly profitable as well. And I certainly think that Jeff Hoffman is going to be exactly what the Padres need in order to awaken. And I do think that this is going to be a lower scoring game in which Joey Lucchese is going to look very good in with the Colorado Rockies struggling with their offense. So for that reason, all aboard the San Diego Padres and this total under. With regards to the under, I'm in Wayne Sebo to see if the juice sticks up a little bit more. We've been noticing that a lot with Coors Field and, well, the unders just haven't been there recently, but I've already locked in the San Diego Padres as a play. 961-962 on the bag rotation. These Cincinnati Reds at the road to face off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. You've got Mike Leake going for the D-backs. Meanwhile, Luis Castillo for the Cincinnati Reds. Your total on this game is 8.5. The over is just a minus 120. The under is even if you're looking at the D-backs. Getting a very narrow plus price here that is anywhere between plus 101 and plus 106. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it with the Cincinnati Reds, that is anywhere between now minus 118 and minus 115, as you just saw, plus 108 pop up for the Diamondbacks. So, looks like a little bit of money might be coming in for the Cincinnati Reds, and rightfully so. Luis Castillo certainly has not been as good on the road as he has been at home, but all in all, he's had a very nice season. Walks have really been his kryptonite. He's given up right around four of them per nine innings, but He's got a 14-6 and six record, 321 ERA. He's been doing a very good job of limiting the deep ball. He's given up 1.05 home runs per nine innings. And in his recent couple starts, they have been a little bit up and down. But actually, if you take a look at what he's done recently, a lot of his worser starts... And I just use worser as a word. That is not very good of me. I apologize. But a lot of his famine starts, I guess you could say, have really been on the road. As you take a look at his road starts ever since the All-Star break, he's given up more than three earned runs just once on the road ever since the All-Star break. So that is a little bit of a redeeming quality. Then you take a look at Mike Leake ever since getting to Arizona. He has a 2-2 two two record, and that's about the only good thing that you could say about him because he's got a whip of a 148, 588 ERA. He certainly has been giving up the long ball. He's given up more than 2.3 home runs per nine innings. I will say, recently, he's been doing a little bit better. In his last start, he winds up giving up two runs in six and a third innings, ironically enough, against the Cincinnati Reds. But prior to that, he had given up four earned runs or more in four out of his last five starts. And the Diamondbacks bullpen has actually been picking it up. The Reds bullpen, ever since the All-Star break, well, it's been a hot mess. They've been in the bottom in the big leagues with regards to bullpen ERA ever since the break. But with the Cincinnati Reds, I know that our man Scott Hastings is not high on the offense, but you do have two good mashers on this team, and Eugenio Suarez and Aristides Aquino. For Aquino, he has slowed down with the home runs, but he wound up setting a rookie record for most home runs in a month in August with 14. And then with Joey Votto, this is a man that has 20 home runs ever since the All-Star break that leads all of Major League Baseball. He does have 44 of them for the year. And you've got quite a few guys on this team that is hitting, I would say, between a 250 and a 267. Enjoy Votto. Nick Senzel, Eugenio Suarez, Freddie Galvis, and Kirk Casale. You are noticing a couple guys dipping with their batting averages as well. Josh Van Meter, Jose Peraza, both hitting in that 245 realm. And you do have Philip Irvin along with Kino hitting between a 280 and a 292. You can throw in there Jose Iglesias as well. So you do have some pieces there. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Arizona the Diamondbacks. They actually hit better on the road than they do at home. Though, with that said, the last couple days against the New York Mets did not necessarily go as planned. This was a team that had won 11 out of their last 12 games going into their series finale against the Cincinnati Reds. They have now lost five straight, but they still have Quintel Marte at the top of the lineup. This is a man that is hitting a 328. He's got over 30 home runs. And then you got a whole bunch of guys hitting between a 250 and a 270 in this lineup. And Josh Ross 
Eduardo Escobar, Christian Walker, Nick Ahmad, Adam Jones, Carson Kelly. list goes on and on. Tim LaCastro, another guy that you could throw in there. Vargas is doing that as well. And for Eduardo Escobar, he's been doing a great job of being able to supply the home runs as well. Over 110 RBI, 34 home runs. Then you got Christian Walker going deep 25 times. I will say for Jake Lamb and Alex Avila, both these guys are hitting a 220 or lower, but both the guys have an on-base percentage 130 points higher than their batting average, which is nice to draw. Dyson's only getting a 236, but he's got great wheels and has been able to be one of the top stolen base leaders out there in the big leagues. But I just have a lot more faith in Luis Castillo in the spot than I do Mike Leak. I'm currently on this total under because I do think that Castillo is going to hold down a Arizona Diamondbacks team that just doesn't hit the same at home as they do on the road. And quite frankly, just has not impressed me recently. They're in a little bit of a cold spell. And with this Cincinnati Reds ticket, I'm right now looking to see if I'm able to get this to dip a little bit more. would like to see it go down to minus 110 if at all possible, but I'm right now seeing a little bit of money coming in, so might need to lock this in pretty darn soon. 963-964 on the bank rotation. These San Francisco Giants are going to be playing also the Miami Marlins. Sandy Alcantara goes for the Miami Marlins. Meanwhile, Tyler Beatty for the San Francisco Giants. Your total on this game is 8.5. The under is anywhere between minus 120 and minus 115. Meanwhile, the over is anywhere between even a minus 105. If you're looking at the Giants, this is anywhere between minus 147 and minus 130. Eight. Meanwhile, the plus price here on the fish, anywhere between plus 125 and plus 137. I have absolutely no idea how the fish just jumped to plus 137. We've got all but one book that is really giving a conventional price on the Miami Marlins. As I will tell you right now, I've already locked in the Miami Marlins at plus 135. I thought that that was a whole lot of value. As we were talking about it with our man Scott Asings, it's a little bit of a mystery as to what you're going to get out of pitchers coming off a very good start. And Sadie Alcantara in his last start wound up tossing a complete game. He looked very good. Now, keep in mind, that was also against the Kansas City Royals, but... He's had a lot of stretches of very good prior to that start. He had given up four earned runs in each of his last two starts, but you take a look at the previous four, he had given up across those four starts a grand total of seven earned runs, so he certainly is capable of being able to go off as after the All-Star break, he had been a little bit bad, and then he seemed to have rectified himself. Meanwhile, Tyler Beatty, this is a guy that's giving up right around 1.8 home runs per nine innings. Things have improved for him a little bit, as in his two starts so far in the month of September, a combined three earned runs over the course of nine innings. But prior to that, in the month of August, he had a stretch in which he had given up three earned runs or more in six consecutive starts, and all but one of them, he had given up more than three earned runs, but he has given up two earned runs or fewer in each of his last three starts, so perhaps he's starting to turn things around a little bit there. And for the San Francisco Giants, this is just a team that just doesn't generate as much offense home to road. Now, obviously, San Francisco, much more of a pitcher's park. No ifs, ands, or buts about that, but it's very demonstrative. They're averaging right around 3.3 runs per game at home on the road, more like 5.2. And for the San Francisco Giants, you do have a couple guys coming around with their bat, as Mike Kostromsky, Evan Longoria, and Kevin Blar, all in between a 259 and a 269, and all these guys have between 19 and 21 home runs. You then have quite a few guys are hitting in that realm as well, in Buster Posey, and Mauricio Dubin, who's hitting at 267, Austin Slater's hitting at 260 himself, but whenever you have Donovan Solano out there, he's been hitting at 330, you then have Brandon Belt and Brandon Crawford hitting in that realm of a 230, though, so that's obviously been an issue, and then whenever you have guys like Jeff Rickard and company out there, just has not been going well for them. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Miami Marlins, this is a team that's dead last in the National League in regards to home runs per game, and they're still without Brad Anderson, but with that said, you do have some 
guys that are starting to do a very good job of being able to generate some batting average and are starting to get on base, and it's led off by Miguel Rojas and Garrett Cooper. Both these guys hitting between a 282 and a 287. You then have John Birdie along with Sterling Castro, Jorge Alfaro, and Harold Ramirez all hitting between a 258 and a 272. You then have Brian Holiday, who sometimes catches for this team hitting in the neighborhood of a 280. Need a little bit more out of a couple of these guys, though. As Izan Diaz, along with Lewis Brinson, Curtis Granderson, Austin Dean, all guys hitting a 203 or lower. And with the Miami Marlins, the bullpen is very woeful, but I do have a lot more faith in Alcantara being able to deliver many more innings than that of Tyler Beattie for the San Francisco Giants. Beattie really hasn't been going past five this year. And with the Giants, even though they still rank at the top seven with regards to bullpen ERA for the year. Their bullpen has really wiltered. They sold off a lot of pieces at the trade deadline, and they just haven't been the same as a result, as I said at the top. All aboard the Marlins at this plus price, and I've already locked it in. Meanwhile, with this total, I'm looking at it over. I'm currently in Wayne Simo, trying to see if this perhaps sticks down to an eight before I fire on it, but I'm going to be riding out both of those. 965-966 on the bank rotation. The New York Yankees are on the road facing off against the Toronto Blue Jays. Anthony Kay goes for the Toronto Blue Jays. Masahiro Tanaka for the New York Yankees. Your total on this game is 10.5. The under is just a minus 115. The over is minus 105. If you're looking at the Yankees, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 170 and minus 185. Meanwhile, the plus price here on the Toronto Blue Jays, anywhere between plus 155 and plus 168. Masahiro Tanaka has been delivering a lot of wins for his team. I believe that the Yankees are 12-3 and in his last 15 starts. But in that time span, Masahiro Tanaka has an ERA that is approaching right around 6. It is one of those things where it's a yeah, but, and for the New York Yankees, they're playing all sorts of overs on the road right now. They played over 65% of their road games to the over. And for Masahiro Tanaka... This is a guy that has been all sorts of up and down recently. He gave up four runs in four innings in his previous start. And you take a look ever since the beginning of the month of August. He's had three starts in which he's given up four plus earned runs. And then in the other four, he has given up a combined four earned runs. It's really hard to be able to figure this guy out. You either get really good Masahiro Tanaka or you get really bad. And I will say that in his last start against the Toronto Blue Jays on the road in Toronto, he did wind up going eight plus innings of scoreless baseball. So I will give him that. Anthony K. meanwhile, this is a guy that's made one career start, five and two-thirds innings. He gave up two runs, both of which were earned. He was essentially the crown jewel of the Marcus Stroman trade. And at the minor league level, did a very good job. He does a nice job of being able to get swings and misses. He got eight punch outs in that start. And he all in all does a very good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. So I do like what I'm seeing out of him there. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, this is a team with, I would say, about a league average bullpen. But for the New York Yankees, even though their bullpen is one of the best out there in the big leagues with guys like Tommy Canely, Adam Adovino, Zach Britton, the list goes on and on. They are badly taxed because they did wind up having to play that doubleheader against the Detroit Tigers. But with that said, for the Toronto Blue Jays, the big key is being able to get some hits. As you take a look at the lineup that they trotted out there on Thursday, they had three guys with a batting average above a 235. Reese McGuire at the catcher spot has actually been nice. He and Bo Bichette inning between a 308 and a 320. And then you got Flagler or Junior inning at 275. But then you've got guys like Kevon Biggio, Rowdy Tellez, Justin Smoke, Randall Grichik. All these guys are doing a great job of being able to fly some power. Pretty much all these guys, aside from Biggio, have 18 plus home runs, but they're all hitting a 233 or lower, which has been a big issue for this team. And then you take a look at the flip side for the New York Yankees. 
while you do have all sorts of power, and Glaber Torres has been absolutely terrific for the team. He's hitting above a 280, and he's got 36 home runs. You then have Edwin Encarnacion and Gary Sanchez. Between the two of them, they've got right around 36 home runs. Now, neither of these guys are laying the world on fire with regards to their batting average. Both these guys hitting a 245 or lower, but I will say for Edwin Encarnacion, on base percentage about 100 points higher than his batting average. You then have... Quite a few guys hitting in that 255 to 245 range as you've got Tyler Wade, Hig Ashioka at the catcher spot along with Didi Gregorius and Brett Gardner all hitting in that realm. You now have Luke Voigt hitting a 280 for the team. Aaron Judge is hitting a 275 and DJ LeMayu and Gio Urshela. Both terrific hitting a 325 plus. They both have a little bit of pop in the bat as well. So you gotta like what you're seeing out of the New York Yankees there. But I do think that Anthony... K is going to be able to do a very good job here for the Toronto Blue Jays. I think that this is going to turn into a game that turns into a slugfest. I think that the Blue Jays are really going to Tanaka around Masahiro Tanaka, and they're going to be able to get this win. So for that reason, looking at this total over and looking at the plus price of the Toronto Blue Jays, currently Wayne Seamode on the Blue Jays, and I do think that some public money is going to be coming in on the New York Yankees. And with regards to this total, looking to see if I'm able to get a little bit more favorable juice as this was a very, very heavily juiced 10 to open now it is at 10.5 with a little bit more favorable juice. 967-968 on the bank rotation. The Baltimore Orioles at the road to face off against the Detroit Tigers. Jordan Zimmerman is going to be on the bound for the Detroit Tigers. Meanwhile, Aaron Brooks has stepped away from the New Orleans Saints, and he is going to be going for the Baltimore Orioles. Your total on this game is 10. Unders anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is between even and minus 105. If you're looking at the Baltimore Orioles, you're going to be getting anywhere between a even price, and you're going to be getting as much as a plus 108. I'm seeing a minus 105 out there as well. You probably want to avoid that. Meanwhile, with the Tigres, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 110 and minus 118. And this is a spot where the Baltimore Orioles actually played quite well against the LA Dodgers. But I will say for Jordan Zimmerman, over the course of the month of August on, he has given up more than three earned runs in one start. This is a man that has been awful all year long. His swing and miss stuff is not what it once was. 1-10 record, but I will say he's starting to pitch a little bit better. He's given up right around 1.5 home runs per nine innings, but Aaron Brooks has been throwing interceptions whenever it comes to him being on the mound. He gives up two home runs per nine innings. His ERA rivals that 621 ERA, and this is a guy that has given up three earned runs or more, really in all but two starts ever since the beginning of the month of August. And then you date it back to July in two of his last three starts. In that month, he gave up five plus earned runs, and the only starts in which he gave up fewer than three, he didn't make it past the third inning. So needless to say, Aaron Brooks, not a guy that I want to be sticking my chips in the middle with. The Detroit Tigers offense, not necessarily a team that I want to be sticking my chips in the middle with as well, but I will say, they're Kryptonite is really lefties, and this is a righty, so that is going to help out the team a little bit, and you are getting a little bit more production out of the Detroit Tigers lineup in general, as you do have Victor Reyes, a guy that is hitting right around a 300, and Hero Castro, now hitting a 295 as well, Miguel Cabrera's hitting a 280, so that's been nice, but you do have the famine bats of this team, Jordan Hicks, Grayson Griner, Gordon Beckham, Travis Demright, Roddy Rodriguez, someone give me a break here, Wilson at the catcher spot, all these guys are hitting a 230 or lower, but 
You do all of a sudden have Jody Mercer hitting at 272, which is nice. Brandon Dixon has 15 home runs. He's got a 250 batting average, so you do have a little bit of something there. And then when you take a look at the Baltimore Orioles, you're looking at a team with the worst bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues, and they have given up a record amount of home runs. But with the Baltimore Orioles, you do have some guys that are doing a very good job of being able to give some quality at-bats. As you take a look at Trey Boomo Mancini, along with Anthony Santander and Jonathan Villar, these are guys that are all in between a 274 and a 284, so they have been able to do a very nice job in that regard. In regards to Trey Boomo Mancini and Renato Nunes, these are a pair of guys that have been able to supply a grand total of 59 home runs between the two of them. Hans Alberto doing a very good job of getting on base. His batting average is a 318. He really doesn't walk a lot, but with that said, he has been doing a solid job, and this team is getting some unexpected production out of the cat, out of the outfield from Austin Hayes. He's hitting above a 250, so that's been nice, but then you do have the guys that do need to pick it up for this team. Rio Ruiz, along with DJ Stewart, are a pair of guys that are in between a 230 and a 240, and then you've got the guys that really are not doing good as Chancisco, Richie Martin, Stevie Wilkerson, Chris Davis, all guys that are hitting a 225 or lower. I will say for Pedro Severino, ever since coming off the injured list, he was a little bit of a hot mess, but he seems to be doing a better job now. Batting average for him is back to a 260, but all in all, this is a spot where I do think that the Detroit Tigers have a little bit of a better bullpen, and I certainly think that Jordan Zimmerman is going to be able to hurl a better start here than that of Aaron Brooks. So for that reason, we are looking at the Detroit Tigers in this spot, and we are going to be taking this total over with regards to the over, trying to see if the six down to a nine and a half and right now trying to see if the Tigers go back to I would say right around a minus 105-ish number but we're going to be riding out both regardless. 969-970 on the bank rotation. The Cleveland Indians are going to be playing also the Minnesota Twins. Jake Odorizzi goes for the Minnesota Twins. Meanwhile Aaron Savali for the Cleveland Indians. Your total on this game is nine and a half. The under is used to minus 120. The over is even. If you're looking at the Windians you're going to be getting anywhere between plus 102 and minus 105. Meanwhile with the Twins that's anywhere between Minus 105 and minus 115. This number is bouncing around a little bit. And for Aaron Savali, ever since he got called up to the big leagues, I would say two months ago, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less, he has been absolutely tremendous. This is a guy that has not allowed more than three earned runs in a start. He certainly should have a record better than three and three because his ERA is self of a two. This is a guy that also just doesn't allow too many home runs. 46 and two-thirds innings. He's given up two home runs and 12 walks. That's absolutely magnificent. Jake Odorizzi, meanwhile, he's had a good year. 14 and six record, 360 ERA. He does a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. He's giving up right around eight strikeouts per nine innings. And all in all, he's been solid ever since the beginning of the month of August. He hasn't allowed more than three earned runs in a start. And as a matter of fact, in each of his last five starts, he's given up either two or three earned runs. This is a far cry from late June, early July, in which he had quite a few starts in which he was given up four plus. And I think it's going to be very intriguing with these two lineups. As with the Cleveland Indians, you do have quite a few guys at the top of the lineup that are able to do a good job of mashing and being able to hit the ball out of the yard in Francisco Lindor and Carlos Santana. Both these guys in between a 285 and a 300, both with 30 plus home runs. You then have Femio Reyes, who's got over 30 home runs. Yasiel Puig, 24 of them. And in the case of Yasiel Puig, along with Jordan Luplo, these are two guys hitting between a 272 and a 277. 
seven. And you do have to like the fact that guys that you can look to off the bench, like Mike Freeman and Taylor Naquin, which Naquin is hurt, but these are two guys that do a solid job as well. Need a little bit more out of some of these bats. So Greg Allen, along with Kevin Pulaki, Roberto Perez, and Yu Chang, all guys hitting a 235 or worse. And then you got Jake Bowers hitting in that realm as well. But Jason Kipnis hitting nearly 250 as well. Then you take a look at the Minnesota Twins. This is a team that has set a record for most home runs in a season as you've got Max Kepler and... Nelson Cruz combining for over 70 of them already. In the case of Nelson Cruz, he's hitting a 300. Luis Arreyes is just a guy that knows how to get on base for the team. His on-base percentage above a 400. You then have a whole lot of guys are in right around a 270 to a 280-ish. Williams Estadio certainly in there. You've got Jorge Polanco, who's hitting more in the realm of a 300. So he's actually been even better. And then Eddie Rosario's been hitting nearly a 280. Here, Andreanza hitting a 270. So, got a lot of guys doing a great job of getting on base while supplying power. Mitch Carver has been very hot recently with regards to his home runs whenever he gets in at bat as well. So, all in all, this is a Minnesota Twins lineup that is very formidable, but I do think that the Cleveland Indians, a team with the top bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues, is going to be able to get the job done. And I will say for the Minnesota Twins, heading into their game yesterday, they had played all but one of their games in the month of September to the under, and I do think that we're going to see another game which is going to be low scoring, so we're going to be riding with the under, but I think that Aaron Savali gives a little bit of a better start here than Jake Odorizzi, so going to be looking at the Indians, currently Wayne Seymour on both of these. We move on to 971-972 on the main rotation. The Oakland A's are eight in the road, face off against the Texas Rangers. Brock Burke goes for the Texas Rangers. Chris Bassett has a suck line and sinker for the Oakland A's. Your total on this game is 11. The under is anywhere between minus 115, minus 120. Over is anywhere between even a minus 105. If you're looking at the Rangers, you're going to be getting a plus price here. Anywhere between plus 140 and plus 152. Want to lay it with the A's. That's anywhere between minus 155 and minus 165. Not really sure why this total is 11. The Texas Rangers have played 11 total overs ever since the beginning of the month of August. I believe that they've been the top under team out there in the big leagues in that time. Span. And for the Texas Rangers, you don't have a lot of guys going yard for this team as Danny Santana right now leads the team in home runs with 24 of them. He's hitting a 285. And then you've got No Mazar along with Sinchu Chu, Willie Calhoun, Elvis Sanders, and No Mazar. All guys are in between a 265 and a 275. I will say for Sinchu Chu, he's got 21 home runs, but then got some struggling bats out there as well as Ronald Guzman, Rudnett Order, Tim Fordorowitz. Jeff Mathis, Steve Heidemann, all guys hitting a 220 or lower for this bunch. I will say, Nick Solak has really been good since getting called up. On base percentage above a 450. He's hitting above a 330. He has been absolutely tremendous. Got to give him some props there. And Jose Trevino at the catcher spot, hitting nearly a 265 for this bunch. You then have July and the Shields Jr. hitting a 250. Does a great job of being able to steal some bases, but. For the Oakland A's, this is a team that actually looked very good aside from that first game in their series against the Houston Astros. And this is a team that famously is much better against lefties than they are righties. But they're seemingly getting a little bit of everything right now. It's Mark Canna, Matt Olson, and Marcus Simeon all in between a 270 and a 285 at the top of the lineup. You've got 23 home runs for Mark Canna. You've got right around 28 of them for Marcus Simeon. And then Matt Olson has supplied 31 of them. Matt Jamin has his batting average right around a 252. But he's got 32 home runs himself. Seth Brown has been hitting nearly a 400. That's been absolutely remarkable. Jeff Feigley and Robbie Grossman hitting in the realm of a 245 to a 250. Need a little bit more out of Chris Herman, Chris Davis, Jerickson Profar. All these guys hitting a 225 or lower. But with the Oakland A's, you certainly are getting some good production. The bullpen has been lacking a little bit. For the, but for the Texas Rangers, it is even worse. And for Chris Bassett, he has been very solid for the Oakland A's so far this year. He certainly has had his ups and his downs, but he's doing 
having a solid job of just being able to give this team some good innings. The home run count is a little bit higher than you'd like it to be. Right around 1.35 home runs per nine innings, but in the beginning of the year it was high. It seems to be dipping ever since the All-Star break, and this is a guy that hasn't allowed more than three earned runs really ever since his start on the road against the Houston Astros on July 24th. So from the month of August on, this has been very good. Meanwhile, for Brock Burke, he had two very good starts to begin his major league career before he got absolutely blown up in his last start against the Baltimore Orioles. He winds up giving up six runs over the course of five innings. Before then, he had given up a grand total of 300 runs and actually three starts. So he had been solid there. And I do think that despite the fact that he's a lefty, this is a game that is going to go under because the Texas Rangers, let's face it, they're not generating a lot of offense. I think that Chris Bassett is going to do a solid job there. But I think the A's are going to be able to hit Brock Burke. And I think they're going to be able to get into that bullpen. So for that reason, looking at the A's on the run line and the total under with regards to the under looking to see if I'm able to get minus 110 juice here and with the run line of the A's that is currently minus 105 like to see if I'm able to get even juice or perhaps even a plus price if I'm really lucky 973 974 on the bank rotation the Kansas City Royals are going to be playing also Houston Astros Garrett Cole goes for the Strohs meanwhile the Duff Man, Danny Duffy, goes for the Kansas City Royals. Total on this game is 8.5. The over Zeus minus 120. The under is even. If you're looking at the Houston Astros, laying anywhere between minus 355 and minus 380. Meanwhile, the plus price here of the Kansas City Royals is anywhere between plus 280 and plus 313. That is a whopper of a price right there. And I'm going to say this for Danny Duffy. He actually has been very solid in step-up games. He cashed for you a very nice plus money ticket a couple months ago against the Atlanta Braves. Ever since coming off the injury list, I'm not going to tell you that he's been absolutely spectacular or anything like that. But you know what? He's been serviceable. In his last start against the Marlins, he winds up giving up one run over the course of six innings. Start before that, he goes... Six and a third innings, giving up three runs. So, all in all, he's been solid there. And I will say for Garrett Cole, he's given up more than two earned runs really since the beginning of the month of June. He has been absolutely terrific, but he does have a kryptonite in that he's given up quite a few home runs, right around 1.4 home runs per nine innings. Kansas City has actually been playing over 60% of their home games to the over, by the way. And now you've got a guy in Jorge Soler that is really starting to light it up. He's got a batting average that is hovering right around a 252, a 255, but he has went deep 44 times. He's been doing a great job there. And the top of the lineup in general has been pretty solid for the team, as you now have Ryan McBroom, Alex Gordon, and Chesler Cuthbert hitting between a 245 and a 260. Hunter Dozier has been solid as well. He's hitting above a 290, 20 plus home runs for him. And then you have to like the fact that Adalberto Mondesi has been in and out of the lineup, is hitting a 270. Need a little bit more out of guys like Miles Villoria. He's hitting a 235. And then Brett Phillips, Bubba Starlin, Mejia at the center field spot, Nicky Lopez, Nick Dini, Ryan O'Hearn, Lucas Duda, all guys are in a 225 or lower, but the top of the lineup at the very least is able to provide a little bit of something for the Kansas City Royals. And for the Houston Astros, this is just an epically good lineup. There are some times where they do get held down a little bit, but you really don't want to be betting against these guys too many times because you've got George Springer, Jose Altuve, Michael Brantley, Alex Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, Gurriel, all guys hitting a 295 or greater and all have 20 plus home runs. You then have guys like Aledmiz Diaz, Josh Reddick and company they're getting on base. Abraham Toro is showing you something. Kyle Tuckerson's getting called up to the big leagues along with Miles Straw have been solid. Robinson Torinos is picking up at the catcher spot as well. So do have a very formidable lineup there and I do think that this is a situation in which 
Danny Duffy is going to be able to give a solid start. I do think that the bullpen of the Royals is going to give up some runs. And the Houston Astros bullpen had been looking very solid prior to their series against the Oakland A's, but it is now very much wiltering. And I do think that this is a spot in which the Royals are going to be able to cash a plus money ticket at home. And I think that Garrett Cole is due for a slip up. I think this is at time. So going with the Royals on the massive plus price and the total over, I'm in Wayne Seymour to try to get a little bit more favorable juice on the over. And I certainly think that the public is going to be hammering the Houston Astros. 975-976 on the bank rotation. The Tampa Bay Rays hit the road to face off against the LA Angels. Andrew Heaney goes for the Angels. Meanwhile, Charlie Martin for the Tampa Bay Rays. Your total on this game is 8. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. T over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. If you're looking at the Rays, that is anywhere between minus 128 and minus 130. Plus price here on the Angels is anywhere between plus 118 and plus 120. This is way too short of a price considering the fact that Mike Trout probably is not going to be playing in this game. And this is an Angels team that is vastly different without Mike Trout in the lineup. In the four games that they've been without him so far, they have generated a grand total of six runs. Now, I will say for Charlie Morton, he has had a little bit of an issue with the Angels in his last start against them at home in late June. He wound up taking the loss, giving up four plus earned runs there. And... Charlie Martin had started out the year with a very good stretch. He had gone 22-plus starts without taking a loss on a decision. That was going back all the way to 2018. Ever since then, he's taken six of them. But it looks like the old Charlie Martin is back. He's getting right around 12 strikeouts per nine innings. Now, he did have a stretch in which he gave up four-plus earned runs in four out of nine starts from July into August, but in his last two starts, he's given up a combined four earned runs. He seems to be really back, and he's only giving up right around .7 home runs per nine innings. It's been absolutely insane. Meanwhile, to Andrew Heaney, problem with him has been the deep ball. He's given up a little bit over 1.5 home runs per nine innings, but... In the month of August, he was absolutely stellar. He gave up a combined five earned runs over the course of four starts. But in the month of September, he has now given up a combined eight runs over the course of 11 innings. So things might be falling out of the balloon a little bit for him. But I will say as well for Andrew Heaney, the fact that he's getting 11 strikeouts per nine innings. But you take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays. This is very much a balanced lineup. Austin Meadows is really the guy that's leading the way for this team. He's had 28 home runs, batting average, hovering right around at 285. So that has been absolutely terrific. Obviously, Garcia is a little bit banged up, but he, along with Tommy Pham, are right now hitting between a 275 and a 280. We saw Avi Garcia out there yesterday along with Pham. Both these guys have between 18 and 20 home runs. Jesus Aguiar has been a little bit of a nice addition, including his time with the Brewers. He's hitting right in the realm of 235, which is where Matt Duffy, Joey Wendell, and Kevin Kiermaier seem to be hitting as well. I will say for G-Man Choi, along with Travis Arnault and William Adamas, they're hitting between a 250 and a 260 themselves. Need a little bit more out of guys like Daniel Robertson, Mike Zanino, Guillermo Redia. These guys are a 225 or lower, but you do have a Tampa Bay Rays lineup that up and down is pretty solid. Then with the LA Angels, you still do have a couple guys that are doing a decent job of getting on base. There is no replacing Mike Trout, but you do have Brian Goodwin, Shoei Otani, and Daniel Fletcher, a trio of guys are in between a 280 and a 295. The problem with this team is you now really have to rely on Albert Pools and Cole Calhoun to be able to get home runs. Cole Calhoun has right around 29 home runs, but he, along with Luis Rongifo and Kevin Smith, are in between a 230 and a 240. Albert Pools has 21 home runs, over 80 RBI. He's hitting a 250. That's pretty solid. But then got some guys that, well, their batting averages just absolutely stink. And Wilfredo Tovar, Matt Theus, Justin Bohr, Max Stassi, Jared Walsh, Need I go on because I've actually left a couple guys on to save some time. They are all hitting a 220 or lower. It's just absolutely awful. Justin Upton, there you go. And then you got Israel 
And then you got Andrelton Simmons, who prior to going on the injured list was hitting right around at 285. He's now hitting at 256. He's really seen his average chip. And this is an Angels bullpen that has looked better in recent days. But all in all, ever since the beginning of the month of August, one of the worst groups out there in the big leagues in the Tampa Bay Rays. We all know how good their bullpen is. So for that reason, we are looking at the Tampa Bay Rays here and the under. I've actually locked in both of these. I was able to get this number at 8.5. I just thought that it was a complete steal. It looked like a typo. So I wound up blocking that in as that was actually the opening number. I don't know how or why, so just jumped on that right away and just locked in the Rays because I think a lot of money is going to be pouring in on them, especially when the public finds out that Mike Trout is not going to be playing once again. And we wrap things up with 977-978 on the regular rotation. You've got the Seattle Mariners, and they are playing also the Chicago White Sox. Dylan Covey goes for the White Sox. You say Kikuchi for the Seattle Mariners. Your total on this game is 9.5 over and under, both at minus 110 if you're looking at the Mariners. Laying anywhere between minus 140 and minus 142. Plus price here with the White Sox. Anywhere between plus 125 and plus 130. And this is a spot where Dylan Covey is just such a bad pitcher whenever he's a starter. It's not even funny. Dylan Covey is giving up more than two home runs per nine innings as a starter. His ERA as a starter north of eight. Yusei Kikuchi, meanwhile, has been seeing 70% of his starts go over. Now, he has looked a little bit better recently. I believe that three out of his last five starts have went under. He's been delivering some better performances, and both these bullpens actually rank at the bottom half of the big leagues with regards to ERA ever since the All-Star break. I still do like the White Sox bullpen, though it was heavily taxed yesterday. It is one of those spots where you didn't expect them to be turtling as many innings as they did with Lucas Giolito out there. And for the Chicago White Sox, this is a team that is not generating a lot of runs ever since the All-Star break, for that matter. Both these teams are not, but I think exactly what these offenses need are two bad pitchers. And for the Chicago White Sox, they are starting to heat up a little bit over the last 14 days. They actually are in the top 10 with regards to runs per game, as you've got Yoan Moncada and Tim Anderson hitting above a 300, in the case of Tim Anderson, a 333. Lourdes Garcia, James McCann, and Jose Abreu are laying between a 275 and a 285 as well. And for Jose Abreu, this is a man with 115 RBI and 32 home runs. You gotta like what you're seeing there. You don't like what you're seeing out of Daniel Polka, though. This is a guy that is now one for 56. You've got to be kidding me. Zach Collins is not much better. He's hitting a 089. He's on a Castillo hitting right around a 210. Ryan Cordell at 225. Adam Ingle a 228. But I will say for Mendick, he's hitting above a 300 for this bunch. So that has been a little bit of a relief. Yomer Sanchez is hitting right around a 250 as well. So you clearly have the haves and the have-nots with the White Sox and. For the Seattle Mariners, it is much the same as you've got a lot of guys that do need to pick it up with their batting average. Daniel Vogelback, Keon Broxton, Ryan Court, Mac Williamson, Dylan Moore, Jake Fraley, and Shed Long are all guys hitting a 226 or lower. But I will say this, for Kyle Seager, he's really been picking things up. He's now got 20-plus home runs. He's hitting nearly 250. This is a guy that I got to a very awful start. Omar Nevis and Thomas Murphy at the catcher spot. Between them, I have 35-plus home runs. Both these guys hitting between a 270 and a 280. And Kyle Lewis, ever since getting called up, is hitting a 333. He's got home runs in each of his last two games. Tim Lopez is hitting right around a 260. D. Gordon, one of the top base heroes out there in the big leagues, is hitting a 280. And Alex Smith actually leads the big leagues in stolen bases with 40-plus. So he's been doing a good job there. And Austin Nola is hitting at 270. And I do think that Dylan Covey just once again is going to Dylan Covey all over this game, which is why I am looking at the Seattle Mariners in this spot and the total over. I actually wrote up the over as a play for the New York Post, so you can see a little bit more depth there. And with regards to the Mariners, right now determining whether to go money line or run line, or so I'm in wait and see mode there. And that will wrap it up 
for this Friday edition of MLB Overtime Betting. I would like to thank our guest, Scott Hastings of Odd Shark, for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. A very vague question for the podcast, feel free to tweet it in at where you want. Let's make today a successful, profitable, and fun one. We'll talk to you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.